Thank you, Sue, for a beautiful time. It's just lovely to know that not only do we need the Lord, but he is available. He's here for us. He's so close. All we have to do is to reach out to him. Put my glasses on. This is fine print. Uh, welcome again. My name is Mike, and uh, lovely to see you here this morning. It's a time of corporate prayer. It'll be a little bit different this morning. Uh, it's, uh, it's entitled, it's from a, a daily reading for Every Day with Jesus, which I know some of us follow, the uh, Suttons uh, read this, and I think, uh, uh, yes, the Sullivans, it's a wonderful uh, help um, just in, every day to read something. And the, it says, what the Lord delights to do. The Lord delights in those who fear him. Well, fear him is not to be afraid of God. Fear him is have is it respect, have awe of God. But those who did the, the, the Lord delights in those who fear him, put, who put their hope in his unfailing love. And what has been the, the, the study at the moment in the last few months is that how sometimes God shows us something, shows us something very special. You think of the life of Joseph, you know, he showed him as a very young man that he was going to be significant in God's plan. And then the, 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 the dream or the, the thing that you've seen, Somehow God seems to take away and there's this, the heavens are as brass as they say and, and, and the dream that you had somehow doesn't, uh, doesn't come to pass straight away. And we can lose hope in that sometimes. We get, we get concerned. And so he's, uh, he's encouraging us in this reading to pray for things which beyond any doubt are with, within the scope and compass of his will. In order to understand the divine intention behind this strange and mysterious way of God, how he seems to take away what he's promised, first we need to ask ourselves another and more basic question. Does God really delight? Does he really delight to give good things to his children? It's a very basic question, isn't it? Is he really eager to give or does he hand out his blessings dutifully and with indifference? He's not that sort of God, is he? He's very personally involved with us. So it's important that we have a clear understanding of the magnanimity and the large-heartedness that exists in God. For any doubt about this can sabotage our whole approach to prayer. So if we don't really believe that God is good, our prayers may be somewhat ineffective. You see, if you're not absolutely sure that God is, easy, is eager and willing to provide, you may not be able to approach him with absolute confidence. And this in turn will affect your feelings about him, your spiritual expectancy and your ability to receive. So if you really doubt God, you know, your prayers, say, well, I hope so, maybe so, rather than having this confidence. So he said, let me illustrate this. A farmer whose tractor had broken down decided to ask a neighboured farmer whether he could borrow his tractor. But as he set out across the fields, however, he began to have doubts about his neighbour's willingness to be of help. And the more he doubted, the more inclined he became to turn back. Before he knew it, well, before he knew where he was, however, he had reached the farmhouse. And on catching sight of the farmer, he blurted out, I've come to tell you you can keep your rusty old tractor. <laughs> I say again. If you have any doubts about the eagerness of God to provide, then you will not be in the right state of mind to either ask or receive. Isn't an interesting thought, isn't it? So sometimes we think that God is... To, and so we then get narky with God and, and uh, think... I don't know if Mavis is here, but I think she passes. We'll just, uh, just read this very short uh, thing too. Uh, this is from the English evangelist John Wesley. And he wrote this in his journal to say that the end of your praying is not to inform God, but rather to inform yourselves, to fix the sense of those wants more deeply in your hearts and the sense of your continued dependence on him who only is able to supply all your wants. It's not so much to move God, who is always more ready to give than you to ask, but as to move yourselves, that you may be willing and ready to receive the good things that he has prepared for you. So let's just have a, a few moments of, of just quiet. And you just think about the prayers that are on your heart. We've all got lips and uh, you know, we're moving. We've got prayers on our hearts of things that, that trouble us. But to remember that God is a good God. And although he may not answer your prayer immediately, 
He has not forgotten you. So let's just let's have a moment of quiet and pray those prayers to God. Thank him that he's constant, he's true, he's faithful, he's just, he's merciful. As Sue's been encouraging us, he frees us from those worries. Lord, help us and remind us that the, the words that we sing, the prayers that we pray, the thoughts that we think about you, Lord, will change our hearts. That they don't just be words that bounce off the ceiling, but Lord, it helps us to concentrate and think about who you are, how willing you are to answer our prayers, and how you encourage us to push in with you. Even though we don't, sometimes we don't feel like it, we feel you've abandoned us, God, help us with patience, with uh, the ability to endure, perseverance, Lord, based on the fact that you are a good God, that we can trust you and you are working all things for good. So, Lord, thank you. You hear our prayers. Encourage us to walk closer with you. Change our hearts, Lord. We bless you. And that's just the final thing. Let's just say the Lord's Prayer together to remind us again where the focus is, and it's about him, not us. So, Dave, if we could have that up, um, please. Thank you. Let's just say this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, to deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Sam. Good morning, church. It's great to be amongst you again this morning. Uh, if you are visiting or if you are new, my name is Sam Barnes. I'm the pastor here and I welcome you. Trust that you sense God's uh, presence amongst us as we worship together, as we lift his name high and as we gather around his, his word this morning. And uh, kids, it's great that you're in this morning as well. Lovely to see you all here as well. Oh, look at that. Oh, you knew that was coming, didn't you? Kathy was like, uh, 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 don't do that. It'll come apart. That's all right. Um, put that there. Um, <laughs> just want to start uh, this morning. I just want to encourage Sue uh, again. Hi, Sue. Um, about a month ago, I, I gave you a word and I said, there's going to be things that well up in your heart that you can't help but bring out. And I, I muddled it when I said it to you, but... I, what, what I, I see in you and I've seen it come to fruition is you've got a, a, a connection with the Lord during the week. You've got a, a heart of prayer. And as the Lord speaks to you, you're able to then declare that word to other people. And I sense that this morning um, at the start of the service and in the prayer, prayer room um, because you gave a word and, and the other part of that word was it's going to touch lives around us. Uh, because your word touched me this morning, you said that we all have a default setting. We, we default back to fear. Isn't, and isn't that true? Whenever, and I think specifically as, as the Lord is calling us to new things, and last week we were talking about um, how we, we, we sense this new season coming as a church and the more we walk into the newness of what God is going to do and the more he's going to open up, there's a sense of the unknown. And I think naturally we have this fear. Naturally we, we default to this, oh, maybe I want to run back to how things were. And uh, Joe said to me this morning, don't go back to the old church. Let's keep, keep going with what God's, God's doing amongst us. And so I just want to encourage you, Sue, and encourage all of us. Let's not, 
Let's not go back. Let's go forward into what God is, is calling us to. Let's continue to be seeking him and asking him to, to open up those new vistas into those, those new environments that God's, God's opening up in that picture that we shared last week. And if you weren't here, can I, can I invite you to go back and listen online to last week as we sort of just shared what we sensed God was doing amongst us right now. That God is doing a new thing. He's, he's opening up. Uh, a new avenue for us as a church to go through together. And, and part of that is, is this new renewal of, of, of coming to God, of, of expecting to encounter Him, to be praying for one another, to be seeing uh, God at work as the gifts flow amongst us this morning. And so, uh, given time this morning, I just want to uh, give a short, short sermon again, because I want to just give us some time once again to be able to minister to one another. And I, I sense as, as we've been um, talking about the, the songs that we've been singing, a lot of the, the, the songs and the, the word that we're going to be talking about this morning have the idea of a storm in it, have the idea of, of chaos or, or a storm, uh, pressure, things that are coming at us. Who here feels like they're just on a holiday and everything's fine? Or who, who, who's, who's sensing that, that, that there's some things in our lives that, that are hard? There are things that are difficult. There are, there are storms that, that flow in and, and have an effect on us as, as followers of Christ. And I want to couch this morning in, in that. Uh, if you've come this morning and, and you're going through some things, if there's, if there's a storm that you can see coming or perhaps you're in the midst of something right now that's really, really tough, I want to open up uh, after the, the word this morning to pray for you and, and for God's peace and, what, what, again, what Sue said, that his peace and his joy would be evident in your life. Amen? So that's where we're going to go this morning. So... This was supposed to be last week's sermon, uh, but we're doing it this week. We're going to start a new teaching series, and we're calling it In His Words. Uh, and, oh, you did change the date. Well done, Dave. Isn't Dave amazing on the thing? Because that was, that was a different date, and this morning he changed it. Good job. Um, so, Recently, we've been in the book of Acts, and I, I think that's, that series was an amazing time for us because it enabled us to get into the Word of God. And, and as we went through, we didn't sort of just skip out bits. We actually went, went through it. And one of the dangers sometimes as preachers is we just get the best bits. <laughs> we get the bits that we enjoy talking about, and uh, perhaps the uncomfortable stuff we skip over. But as we finish this, we're thinking, okay, Lord, what are you calling us as to a church? What's, what's next for us as we, we gather around his word? And a couple of different things came out. Maybe we do the Sermon on the Mount um, and, and we go through that. But then we'd be restricted to just, just that section. And so we thought that the, the point of this teaching series, and this morning is just an intro to what's to come, okay, is... Um, we, we as followers of Christ need to know what Jesus said. If, if we want to be disciples, if we want to be learners, we actually need to not only know Jesus, but know what he was about. And so we thought it'd be great to be in, uh, the word and, and the, the sermons and the, the preachers that are going to come up in the next little while and we'll, we'll go in and out of this series are going to be focusing on the actual words of Jesus what Jesus taught and what Jesus said uh, to encourage us as, as, his fo- as followers of, of him. Now, in Acts, we spent a year, year in the book of Acts, and I reckon we could probably spend 10 years on the words of Jesus, but we're not going to do that. Um, but, but, but why? Why talk about the words of Jesus? I've got a couple of reasons. Number one, I think it's really important that we raise our Bible literacy, uh, particularly our, our young people. Um, as we, we enter an age where, where reading isn't uh, the normal thing or where we, we rely on what other people say or what other people have preached, uh, it's important that we raise our own Bible literacy and know, know what he says. But as I said, as also as, as followers 
of, of Christ, I want to be like those early disciples who walked daily with Jesus. You know, as Jesus taught, he lived with them. He, he ate with them. He, he went where he went with them. And so we want to be disciples like that as we go with Jesus. But the other point, and this is something that I really feel strongly about, is that our world is changing. Our society is changing. Uh, We no longer live in a society that is governed by biblical principles, uh, by the values that we see taught by Christ. And we see the political landscape changing. We see uh, the, the school education system changing. We see a world that is changing in front of our, our eyes. And I think it is vitally important that we as followers of Christ stick to the word of God. Uh, particularly as, as we're entering into this, this season and this, this world where uh, they don't want anything to do with truth. How are we going to know the truth when we're confronted with what's going to be thrown at us? We need to be followers of Christ, but we also need to be strong learners and knowers of the word of God because that's going to hold us steady and it's got to hold us firm in the midst of this changing landscape. And so that's why I think it's really vital and important that we do this. So we're not interested in so-and-so's opinion. We're not interested in that pastor's opinion, not interested in that theologian or that book. We're actually interested in what Jesus actually said, what Jesus actually taught as followers of Christ. The Bible says this. It says, um, sorry, funny thing happened. I... um, I left my computer home and I made some changes to my PowerPoint. So I'm going off the the PowerPoint from last week. So we'll we'll just go from there. Um, Before we we head into into the the Word this morning, uh, just a note of caution. And this is, I want to do this at the very start of our teaching series because I think it's really important that we grip and get a hold of the importance of why we're doing it. And that is, some of you might, uh, have brought your Bibles, and as you open it, you see these these red letters. And the red letters were first uh, brought about by a, a German pastor who thought it would be really important to help uh, his people in his church actually be able to reference easily the words of Jesus in the Bible. And so uh, in the late 1800s and in the, the early 1900s, the first Bibles were printed uh, with red letters of, of Jesus. And there's some positives in this that we can focus on. And obviously, it's easy to reference as we, we know, oh, Jesus said this. And as we flick through our Bibles, we look for the, the red bits because we know that those bits are the, the bits that Jesus talked about. Um, the other thing is that it, it enables us to highlight the teachings of Jesus. As, as we go through and as we read uh, the New Testament particularly, we can see the words of Jesus. But really, I think that the most positive, and this is really where we're coming from in this teaching series, is that it helps us to be a learner and a student. And that's what a disciple means. Again, I think about those early disciples just sitting at the feet of Jesus, uh, listening to his words, uh, being a learner, being a student, and and having that being put into their, their hearts and into their lives. So those are the positives on on focusing on these red letters in our Bibles. However, there is a caution and there is potential negatives. The first one is, well, which words were actually Jesus' words? Um, I'll give you a great example, in fact. John 3.16 is probably one of the most famous verses that we have in our, in our scriptures. Everyone knows it off by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. And if, if you turn to your, your Bibles and if you've got particular red-letter Bibles, it will then go on to say, for whoever believes in the son and blah, 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 and it's still red. But some commentators will say, well, was that Jesus saying that or is that just John doing a commentary on what Jesus just said? 
I don't know. But the point is, does it actually matter? (laughs) No, it doesn't. Which is my second point, which is there's a potential unhealthy balance to just focusing on on the words. And this is where we don't want to go. Jesus wrote the, the red letters, but the Holy Spirit wrote the black ones. And all are equally important. We should not give more weight, more authority to red letters than to black letters. Otherwise, we're we're having an unhealthy balance of Scripture because we know that that Paul uh, said to Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking uh, and training in all righteousness. All Scripture. And so we don't need to just have an unhealthy balance but know that all Scripture is God-breathed. And finally... Not every word of Jesus was written down. In fact, at the end of John's gospel, he says, Jesus did so much more than this. And if we wrote down everything that he did and said, we wouldn't have enough books to record it all. And so that, but Jesus's words line up with all of scripture. There is a unity from the start to the finish, no matter who wrote it, no matter who recorded it, there is a unity in the word of God. And that's so vitally important for us as we start this teaching series. So Jesus was an amazing teacher. Kids, have you guys got favourite teachers at school? Are you allowed to have favourite teachers? I don't know. I remember I, I had a favourite teacher in, in school and I could tell based on my exercise books which teachers I liked because the, the teachers that I liked had these beautiful coloured pages and, the, and then the teachers that I didn't like just had this scribble in them because teachers have the ability to bring out stuff in us, don't they? And Jesus was a great teacher and he is known throughout the world to be a great teacher. In fact, even non-Christians say amazing things about Jesus being a teacher. Uh, Gandhi, for example, talked about how Jesus was a great teacher. Rock stars talk about Jesus as a great teacher. But Jesus is not just a teacher. If, If Jesus was only a teacher, then we could just take or leave what he says. We could go, well, I like that teaching bit of Jesus, but I also like this teaching bit of this over here, and I like that of that, and, and so-and-so said this. And before we know it, we, we've got this conglomerate of truth from a different variety of sources. But when we know that Jesus was not just a teacher, but he is our saviour, That leads us not only to to listening to his words but to worship. And when we know that Jesus is not only our saviour but he is the king of kings, he is the Lord of lords, he is the one who all authority in heaven and on earth has been given, he is the king of kings, he is the Lord of lords. Now all of a sudden Jesus' words aren't just something to take or leave. If he is the Lord of everything, if he is the Lord of my life, now Jesus' words take on a whole new meaning. And I, as, as, as a servant of the King, as a servant of the Lord, I want to obey. So that leads to obedience. So Jesus was an amazing teacher. What made him a great teacher? He taught with authority. In fact, uh, many of the people who listened to Jesus' teaching, and it was recorded in the Gospels many times, would say, and he, he taught with one with authority, not like the, the scribes and the Pharisees. He taught what he lived out. He practised what he preached. He taught things that were never said before, and I've got an example there of humility. The servant leadership and putting yourself last before others was not a thing before Jesus actually brought it into, into humanity. So Jesus taught things that were never said before. He taught simply and to the point. 
It was just like that. You know, he'd, he'd get up in the synagogue and read from the prophet Isaiah and he'd sit down again. That was all he needed. And the, the reading that, that Joe did in the kid's spot, it's just simple and it's to the point. But a lot of you are thinking, man, I wish the preachers this day were just simple and to the point. That would, have been, that would be good. He taught revelation and understanding. If this was not earthly wisdom. What I receive, I receive from the Father, Jesus says. And so what, what we're given is this divine revelation and, and understanding that we cannot come to of our own uh, mental ability. He went the extra mile in his teaching. You know, there were certain sayings and certain understandings, but Jesus would go that little, he'd push that little bit deeper. You know, what, what's the most important command? Love your neighbour as yourself. Uh, love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as yourself. And then someone says, oh, but who is my neighbour? And Jesus is like, oh, let me tell you a story <laughs> about what it actually means to be a neighbour. He, he, he goes that little bit extra than normal. He contrasted commonly accepted social norms with divine truth. You might have heard it said this, but I say this. You might have heard eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I say love your enemies. So that, that was a great way that he taught. He taught using everyday examples and illustrations and he taught in a way that always demanded a response. I think this is one of the one of the most amazing abilities Jesus had in the way that he taught. He always demanded a response. You couldn't just just walk away and go, "Oh, that was interesting." <laughs> you had to go, "Oh my goodness, that makes." Let me just ponder that for a bit longer. Let me just think about that. That if that's true, that makes a big difference in my life. And this is this is what Jesus did. Commonly, in fact, he'd, he'd often ask questions. Now, I find it really interesting that Jesus would need to ask questions because normally, as you ask a question, that because, that's because you're looking for an answer and you you need to find out the answer from someone else, as if you didn't know it. But Jesus knows all things, so when Jesus asks a question, he's asking it because he's he's getting us to think, he's getting us to to ponder and to respond to what he's actually saying. The other thing is that Jesus talked to a wide audience. He just didn't talk to just the grown-ups in the church. <laughs> he talked to little kids. He talked to, to um, people. He talked to religious leaders. He talked to people out in the bush. He talked to, to adults. He talked to, to widows. He talked to, to slaves. He talked to kings. He talked to all sorts of people. It didn't just limit himself. So Jesus was a great teacher and we want to get stuck into his teachings, which brings us to the point this morning and to the verse that we all know is coming based on the, on the children's talk this morning. It's interesting that this passage of Scripture comes right at the end of the Sermon of the Mount. It's kind of like a conclusion for Jesus. Uh, his great teaching uh, where, where a lot of his teaching uh, in, in Matthew is given, this is given kind of as a conclusion. He says, I've just said all of this stuff. You've all listened to me. Uh, I've said stuff that's new. I've said stuff that's been revealed to you. I've contrasted what you think is, is true and I've, I've, I've brought, brought you into place. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... So Jesus is really digging deep and he's demanding that response. He's saying, don't just listen to my words. Don't just take hold of these as good ideas or whatever. He says, you need to actually put them into practice. You need to take them into your life. You need to, to take hold of these and allow these words to become part of your value system, become part of who you are that outworks your life. Who puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, there's that contrast. He's always contrasting. 
is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Are you amazed at Jesus' teaching? Does it do something, does it stir awe in your life? I hope it does. And if, if it doesn't, let's be praying that over this, uh, these coming months that we would be amazed because he is one who teaches us with authority and not as teachers of the law. So I just want to bring out a couple of things because this really kind of, if, if we just had a, a nutshell, a, something that encapsulated why we do Jesus' teaching, it, this is a great verse to do. And it is the comparison between the two builders. You see, I don't know if you've noticed in the story, but both builders hear the word. Both builders actually hear the words of Jesus. It's not that the foolish man didn't get the chance to hear or, you know, he was late that day and didn't get the end of the sermon. Both the wise and the foolish hear. The difference between the builders is the one that actually puts them into practice, who takes Jesus' words and puts them into their own lives as followers of Jesus. Now, we might look at that and go, yep, I do that. But I think this is something that we overlook as followers of Christ. And we think, oh, that's easy. But I think it's actually, it's actually quite tough. Let me give you an example. So Jesus says, put them into practice. Yeah, I put into practice. Do not judge. How are we going putting that one into practice? You can't serve, serve both God and money. Love and pray for your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Deny yourself. How we... The wise man put those things into practice. It's hard, isn't it? Following Jesus is more important than your family. And if you thought you were going well, do not worry. Ah, <laughs> oh, I thought I was going okay with the list. No. Forgive each other. Well, how many times do I forgive? He goes the extra mile, 77 times 7. Freely you've received, freely give. How are we putting that one into practice? Rejoice when you're persecuted for my name's sake. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength. So Jesus says the wise builder is the one that not only hears these things but also puts them into practice. James said a similar thing in his letter, some black letters to back up the red letters. (laughs) Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Don't just come, don't just read our Bibles, don't just hear things in life groups. Don't, kids, don't just, just hear our teachers out in our kids' ministry areas say these important things. But it says you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. Isn't that a great... <laughs> Great little illustration there from James. Looking in the mirror and as soon as you walk away, oh, what did did I look like? That's what it's like when we don't obey the word. 
But if you look carefully into the perfect law, into God's word, into his words over your life that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So that's the first thing, this comparison between the, the both here but one obeys. The second thing is, and I've already sort of mentioned, it's, it's a hard thing. In fact, if I'm, if I'm honest, when it comes to the practical side of things, and Joe would attest to this, you know, when you're painting a wall, the, the most important thing is the preparation, right? You've got to get all of the little, little things out of it. That's right, isn't it, Phil? Phil, Phil's a plasterer. He, he like you got to get it flat. Otherwise, when you paint it, all the perfect, all the imperfections come out. I remember I we um, we turned our shed out the back into a little room for our kids, and I I did the plastering, and and I did the stud wall work based, and it was all with some free wood, so it was all a bit wonky and and things. So I was just doing the best I can, and I borrowed Phil's sander to try and sand all my my plaster work, and I remember feeling going. Yeah, it's all right. The easy thing to do there is to stop, right? The hard thing to do was to put more plaster on and more sand, more plaster on until it's. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, the paint, the paint will will cover over those imperfections. Now, every every time we went out there, I looked at those little cracks and those little things because paint doesn't cover up imperfections. See, as I think about this story about the wise and the foolish man, I think, what causes that foolish man to build on the sand? I think it's easy. It's easy to dig in sand. It's harder to, to, to bury down and dig, dig down to the rock and to do, do the hard work. So don't just do what's easy. Go the further Go the hard yards. And lastly, and I'm going to go back to Luke's version of this story because Luke starts the story of the wise and foolish builders with a really interesting question that Jesus asks. He says in Luke, no, don't have... Oh, we, oh, we had it. There we go. He says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? It's going back to that listening and, and obedience thing. But there are those who call Jesus Lord and don't do what he says. Now, Lord here actually means master. It means boss, if you like. Can you imagine going into your workplace and your boss saying, can you photocopy that for me and, and put it on that desk? And you're saying, no. <laughs> it, 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 that would seem strange, wouldn't it? If you went to your, your boss and your boss kept saying to do these things and you just you did, didn't do it, that, that relationship, that, that just doesn't work like that. And this is precisely what Jesus is saying. Saying, is Jesus Lord of your life? Is he the boss of your life? Have you given over all of your control, all of your own lordship to Jesus? If you haven't, that needs to be sorted out. If you have, what does it actually mean to fully trust Jesus as your Lord? Because Jesus doesn't subcontract his lordship to us. And we get a little bit back. He doesn't go on long service leave and say, well, you guys take over for a bit. No, Jesus is Lord of our lives. If Jesus is Lord, what does it actually mean when Jesus asks us to do stuff? Jesus commands us to live out his teaching. Then, it's, then it, we need to obey. But lastly, and I think most importantly, is that when we look at this story, we can so easily fall into legalism. Right, the pastor is saying I need to, need to do what Jesus said. Right, 
I'm going to read his red letters. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to put it on my mirror. And every day I'm going to make sure I do this. And before we know it, we become Pharisees that Jesus had a go at. Because all, all they were interested was in law and in, in the moral code of, of what they, they taught. Friends, we cannot have this teaching of Jesus and have him as Lord void of relationship. All of this has to be couched in knowing Jesus, growing deeper in love with him. And as we do that and as we we fall more and more in love with Jesus, then the words that he say just take on a whole new meaning. And and out of that outflow of of life and relationship with him, as Jesus asks us to do something, we go, yeah, I'd love to do that. It's not out of duty. It's not out of uh, works. It comes out of this heart-filled desire to just love and serve Jesus. I remember a time when a friend of ours was a youth pastor and they were really upset because a number of, of leaders in their, in their youth ministry started to be influenced by what was happening in the world and, and was starting to sort of align themselves in their morals and their values with, with what was happening in the world around them. And, and they, were, they came around and thought, oh, what are we going to do about this? Like there's this whole cohort of leaders who are being led astray. We need to go have a seminar and we need to teach and we need to preach and we need to get the, the word of Jesus into them and we need to set them right. We need to, to you know, sort them out. I remember thinking, no. What people really need is a full-on encounter with Christ. What they need is to know his love. What they need to be is transformed by his spirit. And in that experience and in that relationship, Jesus sorts us out. Jesus sets us right. As we open up the word and as his word is spoken into our lives, it just does a transformation and, and we go, oh, wow, there's that response. God, you're doing something in me. And it comes out of that experience and that re- reality. We wouldn't take advice from someone we don't know. Someone random came to us and told us we should do this and this and this. It's like, who are you to tell me that? But we take advice from people we trust, don't we? We, we take advice from people we know and who have been proven to be faithful. Jesus knows you. Jesus made you. Jesus loves you. Jesus knows what's best for you in your life. And we can listen to a myriad of people telling us what's important, telling us the way we should live. But Jesus knows you better than anyone else. And Jesus wants to speak into our hearts and into our lives. And he wants to change us from glory to glory. I'm going to invite the music team up. I said at the start, perhaps there's some of you who are going through a storm at the moment. You're feeling like the rain and the floods and the wind have come up and you're not sure if, you're, if, you, if your foundation's strong. The thing about building our life on Jesus is that we don't have to be strong. He's the one that's strong. And as we, we start to sing this song this song declares it beautifully (laughs) through the storm he is Lord of all can we stand and uh, those who are are on prayer ministry can you guys just come to the front here because I I just 
I've got a sense this morning, particularly as, as we started worship and as we were praying, that there's that theme of letting go of fear. That we're defaulting back to being in control of our own life, not, not giving over to Jesus being Lord. Because there's, there's a fear in that. Or, or perhaps you're, you sense this, this thing that's happening in your life right now. Can we just pray into that as we begin to sing this song? And if, if you have a sense that the Lord's spoken to you this morning and perhaps, perhaps you haven't ultimately allowed Jesus to be Lord, maybe you've been coming to church, maybe you've been going through the Christian motions, maybe you've been doing the, the thing. You know, I was thinking if, if someone rode their bike past the, the two builders before the storm came up, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Both are houses. It's what's under the surface that counts. And we can look like we've got it together. We can look like our house is built beautifully but it's what's under the surface that really counts. Have you ultimately said, Lord Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life? Perhaps this morning is the, is the morning for you for that. And, f- and perhaps for you, you you've, you've started that journey but these, these things are coming and you're like, Lord, I want, I want to stand firm on you. So, Lord Jesus, we just pray that as we focus on your words of life, we know that your words aren't just words on a page, but they are words that we speak over each other. They are words that you speak to our hearts. Lord, as, as your words become life, they are, they are the words of eternal life. Lord, would we be open to you speaking to us right now? Right now as we sing, come and have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you sense the Lord talking to you or you feel like you're going through a storm and you just want someone just to stand with you and pray, will you come forward as we sing? Facing something that's coming up, there's a there's a fear about the uncertainty of the future for someone here, and and you're feeling like the the the, the winds are starting to pick up, and, and you're not sure where to turn, and you have a faith in Christ, but there is a fear. There is a fear, and just as Sue said this morning, we're not slaves to that fear but we can give that to Christ we can even give the uncertainty and the worries to him so if that's you this morning can I just encourage you just to be bold and to come forward and to receive prayer that you would have strength to face what is coming ahead of you 
and that you would know the Word of God to be your anchor, that the Word of God would be uh, the um, artillery that is in your belt to uh, stand against this thing that is coming, so that you might stand firm on the truth of God. So as we continue to sing, I just encourage you, just come forward, be bold, and just receive that, that peace and that joy to come from having a word spoken over you this morning. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the God, thank you for reminding us today of the truth that has been spoken. Your authority is reliable. Your teaching is authentic and amazing. Your spirit is not one of fear or confusion. Your wisdom is transcendent but personal. Your truth demands a response. God, as we hear and read your words, we recognize our own shortcomings, our own fears and failures. We recognize our spirit of fear and worry, of judgment, our foolishness that keeps us bound. Lord, we ask your spirit to always remind us of your unchanging, living and breathing words uh, words in a world that is forever changing. Where so many people are forever offering their view of the truth, Help us be discerners and seek out the truth at the source. That in knowing you more and more, we also have transformation, confidence in and desire for your truth in our lives. Amen. Well, that was my takeaway from today's message anyway. I thought I'd share it with you all. Um, go into your weeks in, uh, in peace. Please hang around if you want to actually spend some more time in prayer, if you'd like to speak personally with someone, or if you'd like to have some private space to pray one-on-one. The prayer room's also open at the back, but the front area is going to stay open. Uh, So please do come down and receive encouragement and go into your weeks with blessing. Have a good week. Thanks, everyone.